Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris Peters, pastor of leadership development here. I am so glad to be preaching and speaking to you all this morning, whether you're joining us on live stream, wherever you're at, whether you're here with us now, whether you're trying to eke out the last bit of summer on this Labor Day weekend, where it doesn't look like we're doing so good right now. It's a little cold outside. But this morning, we are continuing on in our series in the book of Revelation, the seven churches. And this morning, I just want to start out by saying this. One of the things that, uh, as we're trying to navigate this COVID confusion, the struggle that we're in against this virus, one of the things that has become more normal as we're trying to get back to as normal life as possible is that we have temperature guns in lots of places. When you go to school or go to some gathering, they might take your temperature. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm sort of fearing the fact that someday I'm going to show up and they're going to take my temperature, it's going to say 101, and then I'm going to have to quarantine. And if that's happened to you, that's a huge struggle. And if you have had struggle with COVID, we pray for you. But the reality for me is, is that when they take my temperature, oftentimes it comes out like 96.2. And I'm trying to figure out what is going on. Should I be in the hospital right now for being not too warm, but too cold? You know, today we're going to be looking at a piece of scripture that is harsh towards a church in Laodicea that didn't have a right read on what its temperature was. And so this morning, as we turn in this word, as we read God's word together, I just want you to know, I don't know how this message that God has laid on my heart that I hope God uses will hit you, but I want you to know my prayer is that you would be open to the Spirit this morning. That we as a community would wrestle, what does the Spirit want for us right now as a church? And that we would learn from this Laodicean church some dangerous attitudes that we need to avoid. So this morning, will you pray with me, and then I'll read our scripture together. Lord, we open ourselves this morning. You are here. You are at work. You know the battles we face, and Lord, you have won a victory for us so completely in Jesus Christ, but we feel the struggle. And so this morning, Lord, may you meet us, may you equip us, and call us to be the church you've created us to be. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So hear these words from the book of Revelation, from chapter 3, verse 14. It says this, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were one or the other, but so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you can become rich, 
white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning, we hear these pretty strong words to a church. John is writing these letters to these seven churches in Asia Minor. There might be a, a slide up that names all those seven churches. This is the last one, the farthest east and the farthest south, and this city of Laodicea is, is um, far out. It is on trade routes. It is a major byway and pathway. And John is writing to all these churches to prepare them for the battle, for the persecution, for the challenges that are going to come. And this letter is a shocking report to them, a temperature check of their community. You see, what would it be that a church makes Jesus so sick that he wants to spit them out of his mouth? Let me give you some clues from what Laodicea was back at that time and where it's located. I think it can unpack this scripture for us. You see, Laodicea was a bustling center of economic growth. They were in today Asia Minor, but we call it Turkey today, is at the crossroads of two major trade routes, which I said. They were a banking center. They were a very wealthy town. It was a place you'd probably like to live. They had a gold repository and a coin repository, and so they were very involved in the trade of the time. They're also known for their garment industry, especially this glossy black wool that was made in the Lycus Valley and, or from the sheep there, and their coats were very desirable, these dark, glossy black coats, and they were known and made a lot of money from these black wool products that they made. And they're also known for their medical school and the eye work and the eye salve that they made that would help restore sight to people. And Laodicea was known as the wealthiest town of all the seven, the wealthiest town in the area. So they were doing pretty good for themselves. And we see a surprising rebuke to this church. And I'm wondering why. And I want to start out by saying, that first of all, is this, is that this church had forgotten its dependence on God. They had no dependence on God. They were rich, safe, wealthy, and comfortable. This church had forgotten that it had got needed a need for God at all. They were living in some ways as functional atheists. Maybe they ceremonially believed in God, but in their day-to-day -day living, they were living as they were the center. They had all they needed. They were, had an all-set mentality. They were prosperous, self-satisfied, idle, and indifferent. They were completely out of fellowship with Jesus. And in some ways, if you want to think about this door over here that my friend Kevin DeRue found for me, is that Jesus found himself outside of the fellowship. It sounds unbelievable that a church 
would find itself somehow excluding Jesus, but that's what was happening in the church of Laodicea. You see, they had loved the gifts so much that they had forgotten the giver, that God in faith had been pushed to the margins and wasn't really needed. And the irony of our text today is, is that Jesus says to this wealthy, prosperous, self-sufficient, self-focused church, it says, hey, you're not reading your life correctly. You think you're rich. I don't need a thing, but, real, but realize actually that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What he is saying to them is that you need to find, you think you're okay, but you're not. You need to find something that only God can give and that only he can do. You need to find the true wealth in your identity in Christ. So Jesus says, buy from me what only I can give. He says, I want you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that had been purified. I want you to find white clothes to wear that are indicative of his righteousness and I want you to put salve on your eyes so that you can really see from me. And so the whole church is being challenged to say, you know what? You need to come to me, Church of Laodicea. Ones who've moved on, have forgotten God, have pushed him to the margins. And for us today, in the modern church, in the prosperous West, maybe even in modern-day America, we can relate to this struggle. Now, oftentimes in the sermons or the things that I read for this message, it was like, hey, the Church of Laodicea sounds like America. And I don't think you can draw it exactly that tight, and I don't think you can say every church in America has this struggle, but I would say this. Certainly, we who live in the West with the prosperous gifts that we have enjoyed for so many years and, and decades, is that this is a common struggle for us not to allow the created things of the world to take the place of the Creator. Let me read this quote from Abraham Lincoln in 1863. Trent read it last week at Pat's ordination, and it just hit me like this is exactly what this church and this town is struggling with says this, Abraham Lincoln in 1863. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of claiming, redeeming, and preserving grace and too proud to pray to the God that made us. I think that struggle still exists today, and this is the exact struggle that the Church of Laodicea struggled back then. You see, for all of us throughout the centuries, part of our human condition is that we've struggled 
to not let any created thing, any good gift, take the place of our Creator, our Heavenly Father. And the question that you and I and all of us as human beings need to wrestle with this, the most basic question that God poses to each human heart is, has something or someone besides Jesus Christ taken the title to your heart's functional trust, preoccupation, loyalty, fear, and delight? Have you allowed something or someone to take the place that is a spot in your life, the spot in the center of your being that was made for the Creator? And so today, I, I share that as a way of challenge, as a way of reflection, saying only you can answer the question if something or someone has taken the place. And this word was written not just to unbelievers, but this word that I'm reading today was written to a church that had allowed itself to push God out to the side and become self-focused and self-satisfied. The second issue with the Laodicean church was this, is that they had no engagement, no urgency to serve, no urgency to reach others. If you go back to verse 15 and 16, it says this, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other, but so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you, or the word is vomit you, out of my mouth. These are strong words. Now, for most of my life, I've understood this passage to mean this. I wish you were either hot, really on fire and passionate for Jesus, or cold, far away from God, or distant, or pagan. That is not what Jesus is wishing. I think there's a clue in the geography of the area where Laodicea was. Let me explain. You see, lukewarm is an image that the Laodicean people can relate to because Laodicea, like I said, is a great place to live, but they had a huge problem with water. Their, prob their water in their area stunk. It was full of minerals, and it often was a bad temperature, and if you, with the high mineral content, it would make you sick. And everybody in Laodicea knew that this was a problem. They had even piped in water from the surrounding towns to deal with this problem. But when it came from the surrounding towns, it was much warmer, much, much cooler than when it left the surrounding towns. So just like we would say in Michigan, Michigan is a great place to live. We love it. We love Lake Michigan. We love the sand. We love the beaches. We love the forests, all those different things. But we might all say, We've got a problem with our roads. Or maybe we've got a problem with winter. The Laodicean people would say, we know we have bad water. And Jesus used this water problem to make a point. If you see in the slide, it says there were three towns near Laodicea. There was the town of Heropolis, which was, which had, was famous for thermal hot springs that people would come to back then and still today to have healing therapy. 
and be restored. There was the town of Colossae, which was nearby, which backed up to a mountain, to some mountains, and it had cold, refreshing water. And what happens is, is that Jesus is saying, hey, I wish, just as you realize that you are not hot or you're not cold, I wish that you were a church that was either cold and refreshing and comforting or that you were hot and healing and restorative, but instead you are a church that stands for nothing. You're not passionate about anything. And I, I, when I see that, it makes you not just not on fire. It makes you useless. And he is calling them, and I believe calling us today, to be useful, not useless. You see, the church of Laodicea had been coasting rather than confronting the greater culture. They were surrounded by many Roman gods, but they were sort of blending right in and being lukewarm. And the challenge for them and the challenge for us is, is that we, in this time, are struggling with what does it mean to live out as the church of Jesus Christ in its COVID crisis, this COVID confusion, You see, the world was passing Laodicea by. The trade routes went right through their town, but they were content to be a club rather than a mission outpost. And so the challenge for us today is that God wishes us to be like that. Can you be like hot water where you're bringing the purifying nature of the gospel, where you bring that healing, restorative power that hot water can bring? Or can you be a kind of church where you're bringing a refreshing cool, restorative, sort of renewing presence to people who are weary from a battle-torn life. So the challenge for us today is to say, what kind of church do we want to be? What kind of person do I be? How can I be a light? How can I be a witness in my neighborhood? How can I not just be parked on the sidelines or lukewarm, just stuck in the middle? How can I be a person who identifies myself as a follower of Jesus. Now the, the letter turns right here. And it says this, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest or zealous is the word and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. The Lord says, hey, I'm being strong. I'm being harsh but I still love you. I see you in danger. I see you not being able to make it as the persecution comes that's gonna come in the future at that time. I see you. I selected you. I love you. And he says, hey, Laodicea, a storm is coming. I'm preparing you for that moment. And maybe in some ways he's saying to us, Community reformed, follower of Jesus, be zealous and repent. Don't coast, reclaim the urgency. For some of us, as we've been in this time, we've been sort of frozen. I don't know how to respond in this time where we're limited in our ability to connect with others, we're limited in our ability to gather, we're limited in our ability to do our normal day-to-day functions. You know what, this is a time where we as a church and we as believers need to stand into those moments. We need to find new ways 
to have fellowship. We need to find new ways to do mission, to be a refreshment to those who are struggling in so many ways. We need to find new ways to proclaim the hope in Jesus Christ because there's so many people who their trust in something has been revealed to be empty and they're looking for Jesus Christ. And so today, I just want to spur us on to say, you know what, let's be zealous as we turn from summer into fall, as we turn into this time, which is going to be challenging. Can we be passionate and reclaim that sense of urgency that people really need the Lord? And I just want to remind us all that this truth, this challenge coming from Jesus was written to a church. I want our church, and I celebrate the work that our church is doing in engaging the needs of our community, in proclaiming the word around the world and what we support and who we send. But there's this beautiful truth in this passage. Is that the Laodicean church had wandered far away from God, had closed him out of their fellowship. But the beautiful truth of God is that even when we make our own choices to distance ourselves from him, when we deliberately choose to walk away from him, when we wander into difficulty or challenge or addiction, the beauty of the gospel is that all you need to do is turn, to turn back. And what you find is, is that God has been knocking at the door. And I don't think God is knocking at the door. I always wonder this, like, is he like, let me in, I'm coming in. I think Jesus is patiently knocking at the door of the church. And I think he patiently knocks at the door of our heart or of our life. And he says, you know what, I'm not going to force my way in. You have to use the door handle on your side. This one has two, but our hearts only have a handle on the inside, and we need to open it to let Jesus come in. So I wonder today. See, the Laodicean church was so off track, they needed to re-invite Jesus into their corporate life. The Christian faith at its core is about a relationship, a fellowship, a friendship, a restorative relationship with Jesus. And maybe he says to you, to us today, will you be open? Will you be available? Will you be ready? Will you be zealous for me? And I wonder today, how is God knocking at the door of your life? God loves you and I enough to tell you the truth. And maybe some of us are in, in danger. Maybe some of us are stuck. Maybe you were baptized when you were younger and now you've grown up and you're like, I see what, how Jesus has been seeking me and I want to respond. Maybe you need to open the door to your life and make your profession of faith and say, I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. 
Maybe you really have been distracted by the world and consumed by a created thing and you need to say, Lord, I need you to be in the center of my life, not this other thing. Maybe as a follower, you, maybe in your life you just sort of wandered. You're lost, you've had a pretty hard life. And you're wondering, man, there's no way I can find my way back to Jesus. But Jesus says, hey, I am right here. All you have to do is stop and turn. And I'm right there. I can meet you wherever you're at. I love you, but I love you enough not to leave you that way. Maybe for some of us as followers of Jesus, we've been on the sidelines. We've been frozen. We've been checked out. Missing the chance to engage, to bring hope and relief and restoration like cold water, like hot water. And so today, I just want to invite us as a community to reflect and repent as individuals and as a corporate community to say, we want to be a church. We want to be individuals. We want to be followers of Jesus that are responsive to the Spirit. to ask him back into the center of our lives, to seek him as the source of our life, our ministry, our church. And if anything that I'm saying to someone watching online or someone here says, you know what, I need to open the door for my life for the first time, I want you to know that that new life that Jesus offers, his victory that comes through his death and his resurrection, that new life that comes, that could be today. You could say, when did, I, when did I open my life to Jesus? When did Jesus find me? It was Labor Day 2020, Labor Day weekend. And if, if you pray this prayer with me, if you, if you don't know the next steps, take, please email me at chris at Community Reform or seek me afterwards. Because God wants you to experience not the struggle, not the battle. He wants you to experience the victory that has come by his once and for all work on the cross. So this morning, I ask us as a church, Jesus is knocking. Will we open ourselves to be in fellowship with him, to be in communion with him, and to be used by him in a world that needs him right now? Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we thank you. You know our struggle to wander, to drift. And I pray, Lord, today that we would hear your spirit knocking at the door of our life. That we would allow ourselves to turn and to come back whether we've followed you for many, many years or for some of us right now, wondering if Jesus can really set us free, if Jesus can find a way. And so, Lord, I pray this morning for anyone listening that we admit that we need you, that we're lost without you, that we are stuck in sin. Lord, we pray this morning and claim the fact that Jesus is the risen Savior and Lord, that his death and his resurrection canceled the penalty of sin. And we can claim his righteousness because of that power that has been defeated. And Lord, today we confess you as our Savior, 
We need you. We need you to release us, and we claim you as our Lord and our leader. Lord, somehow, as much as we can drift from you, you always find a way. And so we claim your power and your presence today. And we pray it in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.